The readings this morning are taken um, firstly from Isaiah chapter 35. That can be found on page 673 of the Bibles in front of you or on the screen. The wilderness and the dry land shall be glad. The desert shall rejoice and blossom. Like a crocus, it shall blossom abundantly and rejoice with joy and singing. The glory of Lebanon shall be given to it, the majesty of Carmel and Sharon. They shall see the glory of the Lord, the majesty of our God. Strengthen the weak hands and make firm the feeble knees. Say to those who are of fearful heart, be strong, do not fear, here is your God. He will come with vengeance, with terrible recompense, he will come and save you. Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened, and the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then the lame shall leap like a deer, and the tongue of the speechless sing for joy. For water shall break forth in the wilderness and streams in the desert. The burning sand shall become a pool and the thirsty ground springs of water. The haunt of jackals shall become a swamp. The grass shall become reeds and rushes. A highway shall be there and it shall be called the holy way. The unclean shall not travel on it, but it shall be for God's people No traveller, not even fool, shall go astray. No lion shall be there, nor any ravenous beast come upon it. They shall not be found there, but the redeemed shall walk there. And the ransomed of the Lord shall return, and come to Zion with singing. Everlasting joy shall be upon their heads. They shall obtain joy and gladness, and sorrow and sighing shall flee away. The second reading is in Luke chapter 9, verses 18 to 27, which is on page 66 in the New Testament part of the Bible. Once, when Jesus was praying alone, with only the disciples near him, he asked them, Who do the crowds say that I am? They answered, John the Baptist, but others Elijah, and still others that one of the ancient prophets has arisen. He said to them, but who do you say that I am? And Peter answered, the Messiah of God. He sternly ordered and commanded them not to tell anyone, saying, the Son of Man must undergo great suffering and be rejected by the elders, chief priests and scribes, and be killed, and on the third day be raised. Then he said to them all, If any want to become my followers, let them deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. For those who want to save their life will lose it, and those who lose their life for my sake will save it. What does it profit them if they gain the whole world but lose or forfeit themselves? Those who are ashamed of me and of my words, of them the Son of Man will be ashamed 
when he comes in his glory and the glory of the Father and of the holy angels. But truly I tell you, there are some standing here who will not taste death before they see the kingdom of God. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. For our opening prayer, we're going to use a line from an ancient hymn called the Te Deum. We praise you, O God. So let's pray. Lord God, would you make us to be numbered with the saints in glory everlasting. This All Saints Day, would we know what it is to be counted as your saints, those who are being made holy in your name. We ask this in your mighty name. Amen. In years gone by, while I was just like you, sitting in a congregation, I had um, a vicar who would start his sermons in the same way, almost identically, every single week, only changing whether it was morning or evening. He would start his talk with the same words. He would either say, good morning, saints, or good evening, saints. And it's interesting, because it could have been a flippant, throwaway line. But actually, I knew it meant so much to him. In a conversation with me, he he said, I say this on purpose. He said, I do this because it reminds me that the people in front of me are made in the image of God, that they are being sanctified, that they are being made holy. And actually, that should change how I talk to them. Hopefully, it makes them think differently about themselves as well. But one thing is for certain, I will treat them differently. Now this morning, do you think of yourself as one of the saints in glory, one of the numbered multitudes that join with the heavenly hosts who praise God throughout the world, throughout the centuries? Because this is the truth of of a gathering like this. This is why we gather together. It's not just a sort of mundane, you know, I come to church because I come to church. I come to church because I am counted among the saints in glory. I've never forgotten those words. It was well over a decade ago that he said it to me. But I am reminded every All Saints Day that we are all counted as saints. It should change how we view ourselves and how we view the people around us. We don't go around and and a greeting to one another, good morning saint, how are you doing saint? We don't, we don't use that language very much. We might describe ourselves um, to a friend who doesn't come to church more as a Christian than as a saint. You know, what are you? Oh, I'm a saint. <laughs> That's rather high and mighty of you, isn't it? We, but we might say I'm a Christian and I, I, I'm trying to, to follow the teachings of Jesus. But, but in the Bible, and we look at the words Christian or the word saint, actually the word saint appears almost 200 times more than the word Christian in the New Testament. It's interesting that actually it's probably the chief description of those who are wanting to follow the teachings of Jesus. Firstly, in the Gospel, it starts off by having disciples, those who are with Jesus. And as we go into Acts, that morphs into apostles, those sent 
ones. But by the time we have gatherings and places, churches or congregations, ecclesias, the most common term we have is that of saints. That is the description that Scripture has for you and me. So this morning we have a passage from Isaiah and we have a passage from Luke 9 neither of which have the word saint in it, which is very helpful for me as I talk about them. But anyway, we'll think about Isaiah 35 first, because actually I think that's a foretelling of who Jesus will be and then that, how that changes who we are and how we are to act as well. Fundamentally, I see it as this future vision of the coming kingdom here on earth probably written under a great time of strain, it exudes that sense of wanting to see more of God at work in our place. And so before we get into the detail of what Isaiah 35 says, and you're welcome to keep it open in your Bibles, there's something for us as the saints of God to remember, that we are that collective vision of God's coming kingdom here on earth. When someone asks you, what is the church? We might mumble it's a service on a Sunday, but how about this for another uh, definition? That it's the, the group of people, the body of people who come together to see the coming of God's kingdom here on earth. I kind of like that, and that is sort of the vision that we see of Isaiah 35. It's the vision of being a saint of God. So this morning, do you believe it? Do you want to believe it? Do you want to hold on to it tightly with all that you have? So I think this passage from Isaiah 35 is a blueprint of that kingdom that Jesus shows us, that he is that blueprint for who we will be as saints. It says, strengthen the weak hand, make firm the feeble knee, say to those who are of a fearful heart, be strong, do not fear, here is your God. He will come and save you. Then the eyes of the blind will be open, the ears of the deaf unstopped, the lame shall leap like a deer, the tongue of the speechless shall sing for joy, and waters break forth in the wilderness, streams in the desert, burning sand become a pool and the thirsty ground spring with water. This little short passage, I think, is a mix of two things. Firstly, we'll notice those miracles, the eyes of the blind being opened, the coming kingdom, the the finger of God entering into the world, mixed with encouragement, secondly. Strengthen the weak hand, make firm the feeble knee, say to them that are of a fearful heart, be strong, do not fear. And I think that's what Isaiah 35 says to us as the saints of God, to mix those two things together. The Bible sometimes describes us as clay jars, weak vessels. We hold the divine in breakable Um, earthly things but we want to see the, the, the coming of God's kingdom through what we see as miracles things that cannot be done through human hands mixed with that sense of encouragement of togetherness, of oneness this 
is the blueprint of being a saint. And so, now flipping to the Luke 9 passage, if you still have them open. Jesus here is chatting to his disciples. He's been praying, and they're working out who he is, who he really is. Some say you're this, some say you're that, but we think this. And and Peter, thinking he's very clever, says something that no one else has said before. But we think, I think that you are the Messiah of God. He says something fundamentally different. The God's deliverer of the nations. And at that point, I think he probably thought he was pretty smug with himself. He had worked it out beyond anyone else. But what does Jesus tell him when he's realized that? Tell no one. I'm going to undergo suffering Um, And no one should know. Confusing. I bet they were perplexed by that. And Jesus goes on from that. And he couldn't be clearer. If any of you want to become my follower, let you deny yourself. Take up, uh, they should take up their cross daily and follow me. For those who want to save their life will lose it. Those who want, and those who lose their life for my sake will save it. What does it profit them if they gain the whole world but lose or forfeit themselves? That famous line that I'm sure we'll have heard of, that take up your cross daily, forfeit your life to gain it. Remember, at this point, Jesus hadn't been crucified, hadn't gone to the cross. And so the implication is that probably the penny hadn't dropped for them. They hadn't put it together. Like working out who Jesus was, what would happen still was not clear to them. The the cross is the sacrifice of God for the freedom of the whole world. And we aren't to sacrifice ourselves when we say, take up your cross. We are to take up the cross of Christ. There is only one sacrifice for the whole world. But to take it up ourselves is to draw close to God. When we could shun God, when we could stay far away, instead we say, no, I draw close to you, God. The human heart is to shy away from the light of God. That's why we have confession. That's why we had it earlier on in the service. Because naturally we fall away from God. But in confession we say, no, I need to come to you. I need to come to that cross. And that's what this reading was all about. In the taking up of our cross daily, we join in with the death of Christ. And we do that in order that we could live. Remember what it said, those who want to lose, who um, save their life will lose it, but those who are willing to lose their life will save it. Because on the cross Jesus died, and by taking up our cross we identify with that death. Why? Because in that we might know his resurrection power as well. There's a wonderful verse from Philippians, um, chapter 3, verse 10, that says, I want to know Christ 
and the power of his resurrection and the sharing of his sufferings by becoming like him in death, if somehow I might attain to the resurrection of the dead. That idea that I want to know Christ, I want to know him fully, And in doing that, I think that actually that's going to mean identifying with his death. And why do I want to identify with his death? Because his death was not the end of the answer. Not the end. His death was his resurrection. And that is what they were sort of trying to tease out in that moment in the letter to the Philippians. So being a saint in God's church today is saying... I've already died. So that actually daily I might live for God. It seemed big-headed, didn't it? To call ourselves a saint. But actually we're not a saint because we've done anything specific. But we are a saint because God is holy. And as we draw close to him we are made holy as well. Not by anything great that we have done but by the greatness of of the one whom we follow. So we want to be part of the signs of God coming into the world. Now, in truth, when we are the church here on this earth, before we are the saints in glory, we want to see his fingerprint entering into the world. And so by prayer we pray for miracles, for God to be acting in the world. And we encourage each other. Those two things that we saw in Isaiah 35. Because we know that we will see in part that which we will see fully in heaven. And so today we live like those disciples who were told to take up with their cross. Take up their cross with joy. So this morning as you sit, I hope comfortably, in your seats? Do you think of yourselves as saints? Are you encouraged that you are being made holy by God in this place? Do you want to see more of him? Do you want to be part of that encouragement? That is my prayer and and I hope what we will get from remembering year on year this All Saints Day, this walking into this church every time, All Saints Church. And so we pick up our cross daily, the cross of Christ, the only thing that matters, the only thing that would mean that we could be called saints in the first place. And together we grow as those saints in glory. Let's pray together. Lord God, thank you that you died for us, that you rose again, that you showed that death has no power. And we pray that we would live today in that knowledge, that we would be changed by it, that we would be counted as saints, and not just as those saints who have gone before us in previous generations. We pray that we would be made holy through you, that we would see miracles amongst us, that we would encourage one another and that we would grow in holiness in you. We ask this in your mighty name. Amen.